we have explored who it is that you're supposed to radiate loving kindness to. The Buddha goes through all these categories. And as I said, sometimes people get distracted by the categories and they go systematically through the categories. But actually, the categories ranging from small, middling, large, born to be born, etc., are not necessarily to be done in that order or radiated to that order. It just means that none of those are excluded. So this may help you in your if you've learned it this way, and some some people have quite literal on all of these these uh, phrases. There what the Buddha is after is non-exclusion. It's not necessarily that you systematically include each of these groups. It means that you're not to exclude any of those groups. However, details, uh, how do you get started? It, it's important that you understand that you take it easy and you do it from the easy direction, not from the hardest direction. You don't start with your enemies that it's better to start with anybody you can do it for. And this is very important because a lot of teachers, including a lot of monks, will advocate that you begin with yourself. May I be well, happy, and peaceful. And you must love yourself. You must do metta for yourself. And then you go on to others and it's more or less systematically close to you and so forth. Again, I do not hear the Buddha say that. Uh, certainly, we should get to the stage where we do include ourselves, but in the West particularly, it seems that we have a problem with ourselves. We're too harsh and critical, judgmental about ourselves. And the fact that you have access to your own mind makes it worse. So here's what the situation is. You can see all your motives. You can see the interior of your skull, your mind. You can see your own mind and you cannot see the mind of others. You can see the face of others and you cannot see your own face. Now, what does this mean? It sounds a little obscure, but you actually go through your entire life never being able to see directly your face. Everybody else's face is easy to see, but yours is not. And you can see it in a mirror, but that's not your face. That's a reflection of your face. So you can't really see your own humanity. And this is what we allow when we see other beings, even, even animals, we see their expressions. And we walk around unable to see our own face, unable to appreciate our own humanity, unable to give ourselves some slack. And so, uh, and at the same time, we have full access to every kind of not admirable aspect of our minds and our motivations, whereas we don't. We're only guessing about other people's motivations and minds. So this is why in the West, particularly, that we have trouble with ourselves, why we have a poor opinion of ourselves. And I think that our hyper-analytical society as well, so we're, most of your education is involved in kind of a mathematical or analytical type thinking, 
And we're also encouraged to develop critical thinking, to find the faults, the, the failures, etc., cetera, in, in ideas and situations. And so we, once that knife has been sharpened, it turns on ourselves and it cuts. So it's a sword which cuts both ways. So this is, uh, other cultures do not seem to have it in quite the uh, spectacular form that the, the Western culture does. I'm not sure how this fully developed. It must have some uh, bearing with Christianity as well, uh, particularly the kind of strong advocation that you are intrinsically a sinner, you're born that way. <laughs> Uh, whereas in Buddhism, that is downplayed somewhat. There's no particular uh, sinful nature, but, but there is a lack of skill. And so, in a way, whatever culture you're from and whatever the situation is, you'll have to evaluate whether it's all that useful or practical or even possible to start with yourself in terms of loving kindness. And if not, it's perfectly okay. You can leave yourself out. All that really matters is that you get the heart warmed up. You get your emotional structure warmed up and it, the, your vision, your expansive vision increases. And then you can look on any being with this impartial feeling of goodwill. And that is primarily what you're supposed to do with yourself as well. I, I suggested before also that perhaps you can start recalling yourself as a child, maybe uh, looking in your early elementary school pictures where, you, you know, when you're seven and you have no front teeth, sweet child, you know, what's nothing but goodwill for that child. And now that you're older and have front teeth, it should not mean any diminution of your goodwill for yourself. And it's not because you deserve it. So this is very important, very important. You do not receive loving kindness from yourself to yourself because you deserve it. That wouldn't be loving kindness. That wouldn't be friendliness. It's not because beings deserve it. And that's what the Buddha is on about in terms of no exclusions. Don't wait for the one who is profoundly pure and uh, returns your loving kindness. Don't wait for that. That's not, if you, if you have goodwill for that being, and it might be your, your dog, <laughs> he, he is unconditionally loyal and appreciates you no matter what, and you have goodwill for him because of those characteristics, that's not loving kindness. So it's in spite of all these things, in spite of the imperfections, in spite of the failings, that you have the loving kindness. And I suppose it's not even in spite of it, it's without reference to it. So that again, go through the language of this and say that the Buddha is asking you not to have any evaluation of beings when you radiate goodwill to you, to, to them. Now this helps with, uh, towards yourself. So you're not asking who you are, what your history is, how you think, what your motivations are. You get 
uh, you get out of jail free. <laughs> There's no judgment, no none whatsoever, and you don't have to wait till you've improved uh, to warrant this loving kindness. You get it now, before you've straightened yourself all out, before you're enlightened, etc. And if you if you think you're not worthy, then you you haven't understood this idea of loving kindness. So this loving kindness is, is valuable and will help you straighten yourself out, will help you improve in all kinds of ways. It will allow you to do this because it will flood your system with this beautiful feeling and this changes your mind about everything. So this is this is why the Buddha is recommending it without any strings attached. Any strings attached, not loving kindness. So you can freely radiate it towards beings without discrimination. So some of the um, aspects of this loving kindness is the Buddha goes on to say, let none deceive another. So this is the wish for honesty or truth, non-deception. So true love, true kindness doesn't deceive. However, it doesn't always blurt out the truth either. <laughs> There's a time and a place for getting down to the details, for suggesting somebody has some some work to do, uh, suggesting to yourself also that you do have some work to do. However, if you're in a very fragile, negative mood, it's not really the time to be uh, listing off the 752 faults that you, that you possess. This is a very bad idea, very unskillful idea. And it's just amazing how much... Uh, capacity people have for articulating every, for themselves at least, articulating every fault. By the way, that is the characteristic of ill will, that one pays unwise attention to the fault. So one has ill will towards oneself, one pays unwise attention and magnifies the details of the fault about oneself. Loving kindness does not uh, give unwise attention to the fault. Loving kindness gives wise attention to the fault. It, it, it's not that it can't see any faults, but it sees it in the right frame of reference, in the right mood. And this is how you do it. You're not going to be tossed out of your... Remember, the, remember loving kindness is the place where when you got to go there, it's got to take you. So you don't get tossed out because of your failings. You don't get tossed out because of the failings. You get helped because of the failings. You get assisted. You get clever techniques. And the Buddha is full of clever techniques for improving the situation. He's the first self-help guru <laughs> on the planet. Buddhist teachings, early Buddhist teachings are, are self-help. Notice the absence of God in this. Uh, you'd get to dwell in the heavens, but uh, there's no bringing in God, requiring God to, to get you there. It's, it's you. You get to do it with the help of your friends. Your friends are these 
people called Kalyanamittas. Kalyana means beautiful, and Mitta is very close to Metta. It means friend. So, with the help of your beautiful friends, you also will dwell in the sublime experience of goodwill and loving kindness. So all this, all this negativity just melts away, and you're left with this, this profound feeling. And that feeling is, is not interested in deception. So this is something, this is very interesting and affects the, this process, what we call right speech. So the first category of right speech is not to intentionally lie. However, it's very delicate and very appropriate. Uh, so the Buddha says, although I never tell a lie, I don't always blurt out the truth. I ask myself, is what I'm about to say true? And then, is it beneficial? So that's the next thing is that the words uh, the, and the thoughts that you have towards yourself is you have to ask, is my evaluation of myself, is it accurate? Or is it prejudiced because of, of ill will? So it's only when I actually have goodwill that I can say, I can see the facts of the case appropriately in a balanced way. Now, is this the time to be pondering them? And also f towards another. So is this the time to be telling that person how they could improve themselves or, or what their fault is or bringing them up, criticizing them, etc. Is this the right time? And I think we, we went back and talked about, uh, or in the earlier talks, I talked about the criteria for monks to, to, uh, to correct another. And one of them, one of those criteria is, is this the appropriate time? And time also includes place. Is this the right time? Is this the right place? Do I speak with a heart of loving kindness? And am I, am I myself free from this fault? So when we uh, critique another person, we're, we're not, we don't want to be deceptive. We're not trying to deceive them, but we also are careful with this. Now there's lots of interesting people around who have no filters. They blurt out, they, they feel in the midst of the conversation, they will blurt out the truth. But they're missing that capacity to evaluate and uh, decide, discerning, this is not the right time, this is not the right place. The person's in a, such a state that they can't hear this or they'll, it will be negative. It will not be a benefit to them. It will be the opposite. So there's quite a sophisticated bit of business here. Isn't it? So this is the Buddha is bringing this up again, that non-deception is part of this friendliness. You're not interested. In, you're you're a friend to this being. You're not interested in deceiving that being. So this is a very beautiful thing. This is a connection of truth and friendship, truth and love. Not to despise any being in any state, and that goes right to the depths of depravity. And there are beings, I don't think that an animal can ever really be called depraved. 
but a human can. <laughs> Animals are, they're just defending themselves, uh, acting on their nature. They really can't cook up elaborate plots of evil. Humans can, they can really go into the depths of evil. By the way, this evil is just another word for ignorance. They would not do that if they understood and knew better. They could not do that if they understood and knew better. And this is what you see occasionally with people who apparently are, you know, have committed some sort of evil actions and who later become more educated and aware. Then they have, they have great remorse over what they've done. So they did it because it seemed to them at the time was the right course of action. And why did it seem that way? Because they didn't know any better. They had the wrong map. They had the wrong information, the wrong idea of the universe and of their, what their course of action in it is. So this is, uh, one is to not, not to generate the slightest anger at the most heinous kind of criminals, uh, evil beings. And there's lots of things that can happen to us in this life. I mean, people are genuinely badly treated, abused, and uh, just beyond the imagination what happens to people. And the Buddha is saying, don't make it worse. How do you make it worse? How do you make something that's abuse, being abuse and, and, and the infliction of physical pain and mental pain on, on beings, you then inflict it on yourself. And you inflict it on yourself by hating that person who did that. And of course, it doesn't have to be to you, but anybody you care about. And they're basically when you care, and there's lots of good-hearted people that care about all humans and also animals as well. When they hear about uh, terrible animal abuse, they feel very wounded, very, it saddens them and so forth. So this, the Buddha is saying, don't. Let's not add any sorrow to the universe. This, <laughs> there's plenty enough to go around. The universe is full of pain and resentment. And one of the causes, a very large cause of pain is ill will or despising somebody. You despise people who are cruel and callous and therefore they uh, have got you. <laughs> you have cooperated now and inflicted the punishment on yourself. So you must not do that. It doesn't mean you approve of any of this stuff. It doesn't mean that you won't speak out against any of this stuff. It means that you're not going to increase the pain and difficulty in the world because ill will is always a form of pain. It's always a form of illness. Think about that. Think about the word ill will. <laughs> It's sick will. It's the will that is sickening. <laughs> and think about good will and think about healthy will, the will that is healthy and good. So this is why we radiate loving kindness in opposition to the fact that there's a lot of ill will and a lot of cruelty in the world. And we do the opposite. 
because you don't want to increase the ill will and cruelty in the world, you want to diminish it. And so therefore you swing far to the other side of the scale and you exalt. And this can be maintained throughout your all the live long day. So this is unusual. This is not the way people talk. You will see people always saying, I hate that this and I hate that. And they're often supported in that judgment and so forth because they're good and et cetera. And it doesn't mean that everybody's is is fine or God's taking care of everybody or nobody is evil or anything. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that it's an unskillful response to the situation. So then this famous simile, even as a mother loves, uh, protects with her life, her child, her only child. So a mother and a child. So that's, uh, the Buddha gives that as an example. I, I think there are other kinds of uh, loving kindness that also are in the same category, are as good as that. But I think he gives that simile as a mother loves and protects her child, because it's no surprise to us when mothers care about their kids. <laughs> and you see this in, in the animal world too. Whatever animals are developed enough that actually have to maintain their their offspring, they, they, take, they take great care of them and they sacrifice for them. And so it's built right into nature, all the way from the animals right into the human. It's just built into nature, the mother and child relationship. And the child becomes very dependent and is very trusting of the mother. He uses that because it's hard, there's no human alive that has not observed this. It's an example that you see. Uh, now, it doesn't mean that there aren't other wonderful and noble, caring kind of relationships. There's all kinds of people in, who care for other members of their family. Uh, there's all kinds of people who are who care for strangers, etc. And at right at the same level as a mother and child. But I think it's just that the Buddha is, is trying to communicate, and he says, you know. Think of a mother who, who does really care for her child. You, you see this incredible investment. And it's not that the child is perfect or anything like that. The child, in fact, the mother takes care of a child that is deformed or uh, missing limbs or intellectually disabled or any of these things emotionally incomplete they also continue to take care of that. They, they, they don't judge the child. They don't, they're not, they don't despise the child. They compensate for that. They allow that to be, they allow the child to be that way and try to, try to uh, do whatever good they can for the child. And so that's why he uses that as a model. It's not kind of a, that you choose a, Maybe if you go to an orphanage and you want a child and you choose the night, the one that looks good and behaves well and all that kind of the bright one and so forth, maybe the talented one, that's not what we're talking about. It's the one you get handed. <laughs> so you just get handed this. And the mother's heart is by nature uh, compensates for that whatever they get. 
of course, not all mothers are manifest that ideal loving kindness. And the Buddha is just giving that as an example. And in fact, there's not a lot of people who manifest true loving kindness all the time, but it's something to aspire to. And to the degree that you do, you will be rewarded. People wonder, why do people go around loving the unlovable? Because they get the most return on the investment. <laughs> they get the maximum ride in the universe. And the Buddha talks about this, as we, as we said before, that the optimal, most powerful, profitable emotion in the universe is this loving kindness. There's only one that is worth more, and that's an insight into, into Dhamma, which liberates. So that is where one is inclining towards the end of this participation in samsaric existence. That's insight, which leads to uh, the end of the cycle. Within the cycle, there is no higher possibility than loving kindness in terms of its value and its the repercussions so that the universe is kind of like a reflecting mirror and in fact it's not just a, a flat reflecting mirror it's an amplifying mirror whatever you put into it it comes back multiple times so the buddha talks about this emotion of loving kindness whatever is done with this the motivations behind this loving kindness come back amplified millions of times and uh, also very negative, uh, hostile emotions are amplified and return to you in an amplified fashion. So one should be very careful about this. And we also should not, I think that kind of pop psychology and maybe even mainstream psychology is, seems to be very understanding of that people get mad and all this kind of stuff and that they don't, they don't really expect or encourage you to kind of transcend those emotions that somehow that's okay, etc. When it's not perhaps paralytic or resulting in serial murder, it's okay. Uh, that's not good enough. And I don't think that it's, I don't think the harm that, ill will does is appropriately viewed in contemporary psychology. It's not properly understood and it's not feared enough. The hostility and anger, especially directed towards oneself, is a very, very dangerous and is not something that should be normalized. And I don't think psychologists or those who develop these theories are whoever those people are, <laughs> uh, get it at a deep enough level. And perhaps that's because they themselves have not experienced a transcendent, sublime goodwill. And until they do, they won't appreciate how diminishing the opposite is, negative ill, uh, Ill will and so forth. And, and they, they often encourage if people say, you know, yeah, I'd be mad too, you know, if, if somebody did that to me. Yeah, you should be angry at your parents. It's a, all this stuff is very, very bad advice from the, so here, here you're seeing the clash 
of what the Buddha is saying about how to feel towards the world and how normative advice from psychology and maybe even philosophers, etc., are given in the West, you have a strong clash of opinions here. And you need to make a choice. You need to say, I no longer go along with the conventional normative language about emotions and etc. About, of course you're angry, of course you're resentment, of course you feel this way. The Buddha is, is not compromising about this. There is no non-damaging reference to ill will. It's always a problem. And loving kindness is always appropriate. It's never uh, disconnected from reality or any of those things. It is always connected to reality and it does not impede your capacity to function in life in any way whatsoever. So this is very important, and this is a very, very strong and important clash of opinions which will never be reconciled, never. So this is, one should, with a boundless heart, cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies, downwards to the Depths, outwards, unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Now, there we have directions. Up, down, all around. <laughs> uh, should we do it in that order? Up, down, all around? Is that what the Buddha is telling us? No. Again, nothing is... Ex it's, not you're in it's not that you're including upwards and downwards and all aroundwards. You're not excluding any direction. So there, you're not excluding any category of being and you're not excluding any direction of being. So this is like you take it off and it's, it's radiant in all directions without discrimination, without uh, particular focus. Now, how do you get there? This is where you get all these elaborate techniques for cultivating metta. You get to the north, to the south, to the west, to the... It's, it's, to, it's not really to, to do it to the north, to the south, to the west. It's to get you out of the idea that there are any directions excluded by doing it in those directions. So you can jump to the head of the class, if you like, and just abandon all of the details of loving kindness uh, regarding types of beings and directions of it and just... It, it's at 100%, all, just crank it to 100, 11 if possible. <laughs> crank to 11 and put the speakers so they, uh, everybody in the neighborhood is disturbed by it. <laughs> um, no one is exempt from your radiation of loving kindness. Um, and including you, it just swallows you also goes outwards, inwards. No one deserves it. Everyone gets it. I think, perhaps, I think I came up with a good t-shirt. No one deserves it. Everyone gets it. <laughs> uh, so this is this what is meant by unconditional, limitless, boundaryless. But whatever you need to do, there are no, um, nothing is excluded in terms of skillful means to get there. Use whatever you need. Start with 
things that warm your heart and build up from there. And that's again, the, the, the simile of making the fire, start with the tiny little dry things, patiently let it accumulate, get bigger, add more dry sticks until you've got a real blaze going. And then you can even throw on wet logs. They will burn up. Wet logs, what are wet logs? Wet logs are your enemies. Your enemies can be thrown on the fire of loving kindness and they also, the negative energy will dissolve. But don't start with wet logs. You will never get the fire going if you start with your enemies. <laughs> start with the ones that are easy to uh, generate this heat and the warmth uh, of, the, of the fire and then keep building it up and everything vanishes in the magic of fire. It, it's still a magic experience. You put all this wood in there and it's gone. Put more wood in, it's gone. It's just amazing. So this is, uh, this is the essence of this part of the Loving Kindness Sutta. And uh, it appears that we're coming in for a landing pretty soon with our perhaps one more talk on the Sutta on uh, Loving Kindness. Uh, but we're not out of topics because there are other, a few other suttas, very few other suttas, which cover uh, various types of aspects of loving kindness, which we will inquire into.